Blog Talk Radio. There's something outside. What is that? Sunday Monstrex Radio listeners, this is your host Gunnar Monson. Mr. Shane Hardcore Corson is um, actually traveling cross country to a wedding uh, or getting ready to. So with me today is our good friend Julie Wrench. Julie, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Doing pretty good, good, good. over here outside the Uari Forest. Yeah, you guys are over there on the the uh, right coast. I'm over here on the left coast. So, yeah. And we, I just got back uh, a little bit ago. I was out, actually out in the woods Friday and Saturday night with Shane, um, our friend Cindy Cattell, <laughs> excuse me, and um, actually with uh, the niece of Grover Krantz, uh, Laura Krantz, and a friend wow, of hers, cool. Kelsey. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing is she did not even know her uncle till she actually read about him. She uh, read about him and something to do with work and asked her dad and said, yeah, that, you know, um, he, he used to come to the family reunions, I guess, and measure uh, family members' heads with a uh, caliper. So, <laughs> Oh my God. Now that was the granddaughter that, yeah, well, no, it's uh, his niece. Or the grand niece. Yeah. So oh, the yeah. grand niece. Okay. Yeah. For oh, those of you that, that would have been uh, funny to see. Yeah. For uh, those of you that don't know who Grover Krantz was, he was a professor at Washington State University, anthropologist, um, like for 30 years. Um, and one of the the first scientists that really kind of came out and and start and talked about Bigfoot and the possibility and mm-hmm. and uh, wrote a book, great book, uh, Big Footprints, uh, which I. Uh, coincidentally, before I even knew I was going to uh, go out uh, in in the forest with his his niece, I uh, had started rereading it. So, and I'm like, man, I that stuff sounds That's familiar. I, I think I say some of of that stuff. I, I didn't realize how much I probably uh, he influences my my thinking mm-hmm. on the subject, um, but he does. Right. And and uh, unfortunately, he has passed away, and um, he's actually his skeletal remains along with those of one of his dogs are in the Smithsonian. So. I know that uh, <laughs> I really need to get over there and see that. <laughs> I've been talking about yeah. that for a long time, but that would now, I don't know if it's still there or if it was just on display for a while. I, 
I'm, I'm not I sure. I think he was in the. I think we talked about that. I caught part of a conversation this weekend that that uh, he may currently be residing in the archives. Oh, so, okay. Um, Shoot. But, they should have but, a. Uh, they should bring him out once in a while and <laughs> dust him off. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just do this. Quite... They should bring him out. Once in a while. <laughs> but well, we're going to yeah, talk a little. Mouth. We're going to talk today about pareidolia and how um, that affects applies to Bigfoot research and there there seems to be a lot of it uh popping up when we get all these pictures with red circles. I love the mm-hmm. the uh cover that that Shane came up with for this episode because <laughs> it it is uh, yeah. it's very much the red circle uh epidemic. So right. do tell I mean this is this is something you like. I mean it's this is a hot topic, a hot button topic for you. I know that when we t- we chat offline that that that's something that just drives you crazy. Um, yes, I know it. And it. Well, the thing is, pareidolia is a type of apophenia, and that's a tendency to see patterns or shapes and random objects or you know even sounds. Um, it, it's actually something that scientists, psychiatrists, psychologists have been studying for a long time. Um, it can include somewhat of a delusional aspect, the apophenia, like schizophrenia type things. And But with the pareidolia, that's more, you know, it's not related to psychosis or delusion so much as it's related to, um, like, a, if you would, an instinct, something engraved in our brain from when we were, you know, cave dwellers. We always looked for that creature out there that wants to eat you, you know. So you, you really were always scanning the landscape for any type of potential danger. And they believe that just carried over for thousands of years. Um, and I know that Carl Sagan, one of my favorite uh, scientists. He wrote a book in 1995, and it was called The Demon Haunted World. Um, and he, he he talked about how the end, you know, a long time ago when an infant was being held by its mother, and it would recognize the face, and we learned to recognize faces because if we didn't, then we the bond would have never. You know, the bond between mother and child wouldn't have been as confirmed as it is if we weren't able to distinguish facial patterns and know that that, in that sense, is a good thing to be able to do. Um, well, it's a natural so he, tendency. Yeah, it's something that now, yeah, he, yeah, that in the past was a survival. Uh, right, it's more like a survival type thing. Right. Um, it's like an instinct because you know, as as well as I do, theory of evolution, you know, back million, two million, three million years ago, we weren't exactly sitting around computers. <laughs> you <laughs> Thank know, we, God. <laughs> yeah, we were. Everything we did was based on instinct, um, evolutionary knowledge, you know, survival, self-protection. So I, you know, that's a lot of where all this. Is, they say they think came from. So with 
pareidolia, like when you you take pictures and you go home and you're looking through them and you're like, wow, that looks like Bigfoot. Well, what you're really doing is that's natural and normal. You know, you can't fault anybody for it. The thing is, they need to go back to that same exact spot, if possible, and the exact same photograph and the exact same, you know, try to recreate everything that you can and take that picture. And if it's still there, then you can rule it out. The problem with the pareidolia now is people don't... Um, they don't vet their evidence. Right, they, they don't vet their yeah. evidence. They just they they think that by posting pictures of blob squatches, as we call them, um, faces the red and trees, red, right. and then they circle them and they're like, "Do you see the Sasquatch?" And then when you say, "Well, I think this might be pareidolia," um, they get mad because they don't want to hear that because it takes time and logic and scientific analysis to determine what we think is Sasquatch-related is truly isn't. Um, you know, like some people, I, I couldn't tell you how many times I, I've i seen YouTube posts that says, Bigfoot whistled at me. So I'm listening to it, and it's a, it's a flippin' screech owl. It's a flippin' hoot owl. I mean, I couldn't tell you how many times. And now, some of that is, is just a lack of people under being familiar with with their environment, and I mean, right. this, this basically, if if somebody goes out with looking for something, if you go out looking for Bigfoot faces in the forest, then you're going. You find can them. pretty much find them <laughs> any. I mean, in any shadowy foliage. I mean, if you look hard enough, you're going to find something that looks like the shape. I mean, it's a general shape, and right, and know, our brains are tuned head. to do that. So, right, um, I think that. People need to be aware and be cautious about, you know, just because you hear a snap in the woods while you're out there looking for Sasquatch, that doesn't mean that that is a Sasquatch. But, I, you know, I see people post these things where they, they're out in the woods and they hear this or they hear that, and they're like, oh, my God, it's a Sasquatch, you know. Well, why do you think it is a Sasquatch? You you really need to put more into why it couldn't be than why it could be. Mm-hmm. Like, could it just be a deer? Could it just be a raccoon? Could it be a, you know, anything? That's not as, that's no fun. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> the whole thing. That's no fun because that's yeah. where the science comes in and logic. Um, but that's I could I could say that we had a pretty active audio night Friday night at up in the mountain forest, and. I mean, the most interesting thing to me was we had this loud. There were six of us standing in, in our camp, and the fire going, and and in like up the hillside from us, there was a, a loud like pop, and it. We all looked at it and like, what the hell was that? But, um, you know, we we don't know what it was. It could could be anything, mm-hmm. but uh, I I I know that I know there's people that I've been out with that would immediately jump to, well, that's Bigfoot. That's a Bigfoot mouth pop. That's a Bigfoot, you know, right. his knuckles. That could that's be, or a chest. Snapping his finger. Hitting yeah. its chest, you know. Whatever, Because yeah. they do, I mean, primates do make that sound when they're thumping their right. chest. It almost sounds like a mouth pop. Yeah. So, you know, and again, we're going back to what, what we know to be true. Right. And that's also like confirmation bias. Um, 
now that that's something all of us have at some time suffered from. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's just human yeah, nature. I mean, you, because that's right. our our biases. That's what we know in right. in our life, our personal life. That's what we, you know, if you did a lot of research and read the books on Sasquatch activity, then you have read a lot about structures. You've read a lot about tree breaks, you know, and so people that, and again, I'm one of those types where I'm not naive enough to think that an eight-foot-tall, 600-pound creature moving through the woods isn't going to break tree limbs. I mean, come right. on, that's that's a natural occurrence. But it's, a lot of times you see these tree breaks, and it, they're like, take pictures of it, and this is absolutely, a Sasquatch did this. Well, you got to say to yourself, if these creatures do exist, because first of all, we haven't even proven they exist, scientifically speaking. So what we're saying is this tree was broken by a creature that's not scientifically verified. We have to always keep that in perspective. Um, but people tend to just run with it, you know, here's a tree break, Sasquatch did it. We need to start focusing on why why couldn't it be and you can have a thousand answers as to why couldn't it be versus the one reason it could be you know you're just a real sasquatch research killjoy <laughs> <laughs> but i mean that's the thing is people are it it's a frustrating thing because i also get people will send me pictures of foliage and say there's you know uh a bigfoot face in there I, Bigfoot was peeking at me. I, I, I was out in the woods. I took all these pictures. I didn't see it till I got home. Yeah, because you sit down with with uh, any photograph of the woods and start going looking for Bigfoot faces, you can find something that looks right. like a Bigfoot face. Um, and the more you settle with the photo, edit-wise and contrast right. and tone, sure. the more things you're, you're going to see. Um and that's like, let's say your forte is, is aliens. You could go out in the same woods with two different people together. They can take pictures, and by God, the face they saw was an alien versus the face they saw was a Bigfoot, but it's the exact same thing. That's confirmation bias. Right. Yeah, you go out looking for, and I expect to find, and so I do. Because I must have found right. something because I was out there looking. Yeah. Yeah, I, and real, I, yeah, again, it's completely logical, and it's um, you know, entrenched in our brain and our mindset. But unfortunately, a lot of so that how, is why people don't do you, take us serious because we right, are. And how is that that blobs? That, uh, yeah, blob squatches and and blob sounds. I mean, you know, it's uh, a lot of. Uh, to me, audio is is the most ambiguous um, kind of evidence that you can have. I mean, just to you you take six people and you you have some weird you know you have some sounds in the forest and you try to identify what they are. I mean, and what made them, and you can get six different answers or or twelve different right, answers, depending on what your yeah. right, like depending on what you think the end result should be. Um, sure. So, so, you know, so how do people avoid that? I mean, how do you turn that off if it's something that's hardwired in our brains? 
I don't think there's any way to turn it off, so to speak. I think it's more of um, retraining yourself to be of a more logical, scientific nature and mindset. Um, like I always say, rule everything out before even ruling one thing in. You know, that's – and, I mean, we've all fell prey to it. You know what I mean? I, I think I mentioned on one of the last podcasts that when Jeff and I were in the, the woods in Ohio and I saw – something dark and it was going back and forth behind this tree and I I mean I felt my heart drop and my knees get weak because I thought it was a, one of those creatures going back and forth you know lo- watching me and then you know all of a sudden the wild turkey walks out <laughs> from behind <laughs> the tree so How do you, you know, know immediately morph? my brain is thinking oh my god it's, a, it's one of those creatures and it's it's watching me it's staring me down and you know so now, had I turned and ran from the situation and not seen that that was a wild turkey, then in my brain I saw one of these creatures swaying back and forth behind a tree. So that's why it's important if you can to go investigate what it is you're seeing, you know, at a distance. Right. Well, in, uh, Shelley Covington, Man- Montana, I coined the phrase Bigfoot last, which I think is, is the approach. Like when you're... The burden of right. proof is on. Absolutely. On the, if I'm present, going to present evidence as it's Bigfoot, one, I need to uh, tread lightly in, on making definitive statements that Bigfoot mm-hmm. does this or, or that. We, there's far more that we don't know than we do know. Uh, first of all, we, as you say, there's, um, we, we haven't even proven them to exist. Um, right. For some people, they're a reality. I mean, for Shane, Shane had a sighting. And Shane is um, is knows they exist. I mean, it's not a question of, of not. I, I I have not had what I like to to uh, refer to as the confirmation experience. I think till mm-hmm. you see one, you got to leave some wiggle room that you know. And then I flip the coin is when I'm approached by somebody who questions. Well, what those things don't exist. That's you know that. How how do you know? How come we haven't found one? And I I mean my my party line is that well if one piece of evidence isn't faked, misidentified, or or imagined, um, then then there's something to it. Then there's I mean something made footprints or something made you know mm-hmm. is every right. if every single piece of evidence has to be um, accounted some other way. And and there's a lot. So that's that's my counter the devil's advocate when I'm approached by somebody who, you know, generally that's somebody who has not given it any real thought. And I've, I've had, I've had a few people turn, turn in that conver- those kind of conversations and say, well, I, you know, I, I think it'd be fun to go out with you and, and, and look. So. Exactly. And, yeah. you know, that's, that's the fun part is when somebody that's a absolute non-believer goes out in the woods with somebody and they hear these strange events going on around them um you know even seeing something in the floor at a distance that's standing there at eight feet tall you know it's, it, those are the type of things you can start putting a little bit of more weight to <laughs> you're like okay right. well there's something in the floor so it's all, it's all scientifically based or at least it should be like I can, if you I see glowing also, yeah. eyes when you have a flashlight and you're Mm-hmm. scanning the, the woods with a flashlight, for example, and you see a set of glowing eyes at a distance, 
Well, you can't assume that that's a Sasquatch. Right. (laughs) A lot of people, I've seen photos of these eyes, you know, and I'm like, well, those seem like they're very close together. And you would Mm -hmm. think a, a large bipedal creature would have eyes that are set further apart, just physically speaking. Um, so to me, that picture of the thing sitting in the tree is probably an owl because there's, unless it's just being devil's advocate, what if it's a baby Sasquatch? Well, we don't know because unless you went over there with the flashlight and put it right on it, then you don't mm-hmm. know. And then people are always like, well, that's, then they get mad at you because you say, well, could it be this or could it be that? And then well, people get mad people, at you, and then they yeah, block just, you, and then they don't <laughs> want to be your friend anymore. Yeah. Well, that's they weren't your friend to begin with. But but the the thing is, is that real science you, you requires that you not be emotionally attached to the results. I mm-hmm. mean, that you take in data, mm-hmm. you collect evidence, you process the evidence properly, which means you know, getting out there and, and actually, if you're uh, recording audio, is to look at the audio in uh, something like Sonic Visualizer and then compare it to, you know, like the Macaulay uh, Library of Sounds to see if it, mm-hmm. it matches anything. I mean, there's a process and it. It, it's a slow process. It is, it's, it's fun to go in the woods and hear stuff and say, hey, I heard some really weird stuff. And I, I can I can attest that I had that experience this weekend, but I cannot tell you that anything, you know, that that I experienced had anything to do with Bigfoot. Could it have? Could have. I mean, it, it could it could have been anything, you know. It could have been leprechauns right, for a while, but I didn't see what it was, and there was no corroborating evidence. There was no, you know, if you all evidence requires context. So when people are sending me pictures that they say, I, you know, I went home and I didn't know it was even there. You think that you'd, uh, you'd go back and take another picture or look at the area. Um, and right. Do a comparison. Right. I mean, that's the very, very least. And then look for any, uh, footprints. I mean, what other evidence is in the area? Is there a big, you know, trampled down area where you saw this, but generally people are, it's, it's not science. It's, you know, it's kind of a hobby, fun thing to do to go out and and find Bigfoot evidence. Right, and you know, I, I love being out in the outdoors and camping and hiking and all that, and that's great if you have things that happen to you while you're out there doing that that you can investigate. Then that's that can be quite exciting, but for the most part, quote unquote, squatching unless you really love camping, can be quite boring for some people, you know, because they, they think it's going to be, you're going to go out there, and within an hour you're going to hear some branches, and then you're going to hear a hoop, and then you're going to hear a ground. It isn't like that. I mean, you can go out for three, 400 times and get zero. You may be lucky yeah, you to have get to be one thing. To yeah, right. and I mean, you have to be willing to accept that. Yeah. Right, and you have to be willing to accept that that's, and that sounds that you hear in the woods that there's a lot of natural sounds in the woods. Um, Absolutely. And, and, and 99.99999, if Bigfoot exists, most of it's not Bigfoot. Right. And you had mentioned Shelly Covington. Mm-hmm. She and I had a conversation before about 
the tree, like the, um, they say they might bang on trees to communicate or whatever reason. Tree knocks. Wood knocking, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. Well, we had that discussion about how temperatures, barometer, um, the seasons even affect certain trees. There are trees that expand mm-hmm. and can make these sounds naturally. It sounds like a um, a pop or it sounds like a, a wood knock. And, you know, you got to rule a lot of that stuff out because you know, unless you know for sure, you know, that unless you study these trees that are in that area and you know for sure that there aren't any in there that will expand and make those noises, then, you know, you can't say, oh, my God, that was a squatch because you don't know. It, it could be a lot of different things. We have to... Um, really dig down deep into all aspects of the environment you're going into. Um, what kind of animals are in there? What type of trees are in there? Um, are the trees easily bent or no? Um, you know, what are the sounds that the animals make in there? You have to, I mean, it's not just getting out of your truck and walking in the woods and sitting down and going, aha, you know, I'm, I'm here to Take home that evidence. You got. You really got to put a lot of time and effort into um, acclimating yourself to the environment you're going into. That way, you know, that's one way you can um, struggle against the confirmation biases because the more you know about the environment you're going into, the less apt you're to to do the, you know, confirmation bias. Right, and the. Um, we had you were talking about um, FLIR. We actually had picked up. A, we're up a trail uh, from our campsite, and we're picked up a heat signature um, on the FLIR. And and the person who was looking through the, the FLIR said, um, "I'm seeing something that looks like a, a head peeking behind a tree." And a couple other people. And FLIR is not a, a infallible piece of uh, technology. I mean, you have, it still requires interpretation. What are you seeing? You know, you're, you're looking through this and you get a heat signature. Um, and, mm-hmm. and then the decision is, well, what are we going to, how can we determine what, what are we looking at? Well, the best way was to walk towards it. So I walked down the trail in the direction that this heat signature was, and more likely it ended up being a, a tree because other objects, you know, give off heat depending on mm-hmm. weather conditions and, and, you know, where, uh, cover so that things get heated up and they, or, and they don't, uh, cool down as, as quickly as the other. So basically you're just getting heat differential between, um, the surrounding, uh, cover the other natural environment. So it ended up being that it was nothing. I mean, it was, um, I end right. up walking was, in and, 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 you know, it's over right. this way. So, I mean, the likelihood that you're, so, it, it, you know, you can, it, it's important to vet everything that you're doing. So. Right. And the vetting that, thing is, is really key to all this. Um, I think that like, do you remember when it's been a few months ago, but in, in the Facebook group, there was a post that showed, um, a FLIR showing a gorilla sleeping in a tree. 
Yeah, very, very. And you could um, tell that that was, was a real legitimate animal sleeping in a tree. Right. And that's because of the technology that they were using mm-hmm. to record very that. Very high end. Yeah. Right. Very, very high end. You know, and my hope is as technology advances, price will be coming down. You know, lower and lower on on those type of of uh, things that you can use to observe. Um, right now, something like that would probably cost over thirty grand. Mm-hmm. I myself yeah, personally am not going to invest that kind of money. Right. Out of the <laughs> price range of most. Right. It's out of my people that are. Out of my most people scale. that are are doing this as a hobby. I mean, that's one right. of the challenges of... And of, that's right. And that's one of the reasons why I think it's so hard to prove anything is because there aren't research groups being funded by purse strings, you know what I mean, to buy this mm-hmm. type of equipment and send people out, lots and lots of people and lots and lots of different areas that you know, are are more scientifically minded to be able to, to do the investigation. And that's one of the things that I think it's taken forever for any type of real solid proof to be found. Yeah, it's citizen scientists um, or outlaw scientists, as, as uh, I think Mark Marcel recently <laughs> referred to them <laughs> as out, the outlaw scientists. I like it, or rebel scientists. I like those. Right. But, uh, I mean, it's... Because it's all on, we're all doing it for the most part on our own dime. And um, that large concerted, you know, there's not been a well-funded expedition per se with all the bells and whistles that you would give you an advantage over. We're talking about if Bigfoot is real, is that they, they are masters of their environment. They, you know, they, they can go places. One of the things that just always, uh, gets in my head is like if you know you got an eight nine foot six seven eight hundred pound athlete in the forest you know what can what are they capable of doing you know they they can they can cover terrain that uh it just just look at known animals deer elk bear what what how they handle oh terrain. yeah i was out out in the middle of a boulder field yesterday um after we were out doing some hiking and I'm like, you know, uh, a cougar could traverse this just like split seconds, you know, um, and, and how much effort it takes for humans just to, to get across something like that. But animals in that environment and, and Bigfoot being that, uh, uh, superb athlete and owning, you know, living in that environment, it'd be, uh, incredible what to watch one you know uh, move from and that and that's when re- a lot of reports talk about how fast they are you know or how muscular they are. I've been interviewed witnesses and like oh yeah mm-hmm. this you know I, and they can't say the word big enough. It was huge. It was big. It was you know um, there there doesn't seem to be a a word that's descriptive enough. But back to Paradoia and. Um, seems to really be uh, have come into like uh, it's dominant right now. There there's mm-hmm. lots of uh, pictures being put up that 
that with red circles. And mm-hmm. why do you think that that is something that's um, happening now as opposed to in the past? Well, I think social media, of course, plays a big part in that because now we can take a photo and, you know, on our computer and do the red circle thing with a software editing thing and, and just as soon as we're done, post it in a group somewhere. It's that simple, you know. Um, I think that in some groups now, this is kind of a controversial topic, but there's some groups where there are more people in that in that particular group that tend to seek out faces and pictures and they all will agree oh yeah i see it oh yeah i see it oh yeah i see it you know and it's almost like they want to feel like they belong to something or they want to feel like you know what i mean it's like if if everybody agrees that what they're seeing on my photo is a sasquatch then it makes me feel good about myself for whatever right. reason it's just- yeah, it's a attention-seeking behavior. It can you know, very well be that. Um, right. And and again, that's the whole paranoia being in, ingrained in our brain that we don't even realize what we're doing is a natural thing, but it certainly isn't um, enhancing any scientific investigation of these creatures. Because um, if, if everybody has a picture of Bigfoot on their phone – but yet we can't prove they exist, then it makes the whole um, that makes the whole thing look like a joke. Right, why, you know, why can't you prove it if everybody's got a picture of one on their phone? That type of thing. Um, yeah. But going back well, to Pat, why I think – and again, like the Janosko Project, Paul Hayes, mm-hmm. his group, you cannot post – Blob squatches in his group. You cannot post things with red circles in his group. It's against the law. <laughs> and there's a reason for it. Because all it is is people start arguing and bickering, and then it gets on these long, drawn out arguments and fights over what or could or couldn't be in this photo. And it's just really not worth the effort, the time. You know? So God bless him. He. <clears throat> He he made the decision that that's not going to be that's not going to fly, um, and I wish more groups would do that. So how about someone who who has a picture and and it isn't definitive, and they have um, what does it require now to to present that as evidence? Well, see, the thing is, and this is like a catch-22, we know that we know that there's a lot of good makeup out there. We know there's a lot of good masks out there. We know there's a lot of good photo editing programs out there. Um, and I think that if you get a real clear shot of one of these creatures, up close and personal, I think that it's going to be no doubt that that's what it is. Like if you take a picture of a gorilla and somebody else sees a picture of the gorilla, they know without a doubt that's a picture of a gorilla because it's hard to – you can tell the difference between a gorilla mask, so to speak, and a gorilla. Now if it's CGI, that's a different story, but I'm just saying basically 
you know, known animal, you take a picture, you can see that's what it is. I think it's going to take a photo that's so clear, that's so concise, and able to prove it hasn't been doctored before even before anybody would even really consider it as evidence, scientifically speaking. Well, and that's something that Shane and I rode up together. We're talking, and and um, basically, you'd have to be willing to have that um, the source. Uh, analyzed all the way back to you know you took it on your phone good then then somebody needs to that that it needs to be turned over to uh, someone with the expertise to right. evaluate whether or not that that is uh, a real picture or that it's not been mm-hmm. photoshopped and and I don't and, think and that any... can be done easily enough right in today's technology you can right. determine if it's been you know photoshopped if it's been altered in any way. You can even determine the location where the picture was taken in some cases just by tracking back the picture on on the computer. Well, and basically, so, you're you're talking about a forensic situation, right? You're going to be able to track, you know, track the, it, right? And and if somebody's not willing to do that, then obviously that's and I, I just don't then think that's that a anyone big red flag if they're like, well, no, that's you, you know, right. I'm telling you, that's what that is. That's a Bigfoot, and if you don't believe me, that's too bad. You know, then, okay. Right. How's well, that not to me, evidence, because I say it's evidence, is not scientific at all. And if you're, if that's your approach, then you're not in it to, to prove anything. And I granted, there are a lot of people, you know, that are are looking for Bigfoot for for from different perspectives. Some people just want to see one for themselves. They don't want to prove mm-hmm. anything to anybody else. Exactly. Some people, you know, some people are doing it and presenting evidence for attention. It's like, mm-hmm. I, you know, and sometimes I think we've, we've this, there's been conversation about this as somebody may have started out with something legitimate and had some stuff happen and they saw how much attention they got from that. They enjoyed the attention and they couldn't replicate their original uh, experience uh, legitimately, so they may go off and, and hoax something, make you know, right. to, because they miss because they need that uh, accolades, the attention that it that it brings. So that's right. That's and a dangerous part of, of. There have been some well-known researchers that I I feel have fell into that trap. Uh, I think they started out well-meaning, um, may even had some actual evidence. But if you don't ever, and if you know, if you're putting your name on the line and you're, you know, everything that you base your, I don't know how I'm trying to say, it. if you're basing who you are by how people accept whether or not you're this fantastical researcher. Then you got to continue to have fantastic evidence, right? Well, we see what has come in the past. <laughs> uh, certain type of animated uh, Sasquatch heads um, that were taken, I, yeah, that I mean, supposedly uh, right. the real deal, and the controversy that that comes around that. I mean, it's just it goes on and on and on and on. It's nonstop controversy and. Everybody's fighting about it, and 
you know, while everybody's doing that, the real evidence is being overlooked over here. Well, I found that that groups like the Olympic Project, they don't put their stuff up on Facebook to have it analyzed. Um, There's a a well-known Bigfoot researcher that does a podcast that says um, Bigfoot will not be proven on on Facebook. Social media, nope. (laughs) Uh, and but you know it and the thing is when once somebody in my i'm of the opinion is once somebody has hoaxed something they've lost all credibility in my eyes Mm -hmm. Um, i I was i've been out with people that that i was i had an experience a number of years ago where i went out with a group um while we were out we found this big pile of scat nobody knew what it was but it was collected in a plastic bag and at the end of the expedition, nobody wanted to mess with it, so basically it got buried. The second time that I went out with that group, um, there was a, some folks there that hadn't been there the previous time, and the person who had buried the scat was telling them how we had found Bigfoot scat the last time that we were there. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the last time that I went out with that group because I like, okay, all this they, – they were having all these, you know, contacts of uh, – of Bigfoot here and Bigfoot there. And, and, uh, it, it, uh, it just took the wind out of for me. I was like, this is, it, it contaminates all your evidence. Mm, Doesn't right. matter if you have the, you know, you, you basically have, have raised the bar for what you need to present to, to a body and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it better. Yeah. And, body or body parts. Right. You know, like yeah. a, a hand, an arm yeah. that, it's verified, <laughs> scientifically verified to be something of an unknown primate or whatever it is um, before you come out and say, hey, look what I found. You know what I mean? That's another thing I think is we have to watch what, how we present what we do have because then we make fools of ourselves. So we, we have to be careful you know, just doing it scientifically. If you follow the scientific mindset, you're not going to make an announcement and say, hey, we found this or that before your test results are in. Right. No, and that's um, the challenge is because people get excited about their potential finds. And like you say, it's it's confirmation bias. I I found this i want it to be bigfoot um related and um i don't know any science personal i'm just going to put it out there on facebook and let let social media right, weigh in on it yeah see what they can say um i mean that's kind of like and i'm not going to mention any names but that's kind of like <laughs> a certain person that takes a three foot long turd on on the circuit with them in a glass box saying this is a Bigfoot turd. I mean, that's just, to me, that's bizarro. But that's what some people do because they, right. they love that attention. Well, and to me, that's, unless you cannot make definitive statements um, based on anecdotal evidence and uh, a, a fa- anything that you happen to find in the woods that hasn't been properly vetted. How can mm-hmm. you say Bigfoot did this or Bigfoot, this is Bigfoot craft. Unless you saw Bigfoot, 
you know, <laughs> they can, and, and then you documented it. With you run right over there. And, but, but you also then need to, to process that, even if that's the case. Exactly. You, take you still have of it, you, know, you, uh, you better have a picture of it or else you've only got an anecdotal story and then you can't take that, that scat around and show it to people and say that. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, sure you can. Why not? It makes for a great conversation piece. Yeah. Well, that, that's true. And, and, um, a while back, um, Shane and I, Shane was approached by a young man that had, was, you know, very, uh, a, a great outdoorsman and had come upon this scat that looked strange to him. And, um, even save some of it. And I believe he even gave Shane some in a jar and, but you didn't see it come up on, on Facebook or, or it was never, you know, it, it wasn't tested for DNA. First of all, it's not that easy to do, uh, especially previously. Now, now this eDNA stuff is, is a kind of a game changer. If you find Mm -hmm. something like that, there's, um, it's, going to be easier to identify what um and that's more soil i think than than scat i'm i i'm hoping to get todd disadell back on to mm-hmm. talk yeah, about how how you can apply this environmental dna um and in fact he he is doing the edna testing on the nest uh, material and soil that was was uh, collected by by members of the Olympic project and Dr. Jeff Meldrum mm-hmm. with the intent of having that right. now process. And there you go. You're going to have this evidence vetted. Um, right. And as you know, they have never come out and said, we found Bigfoot nests. No, no. one on the Olympic projects has ever said that. What they have said is it's unusual. It's something you don't see every day. We have, some DNA tests going on, and then we will let you know what, what the results are. That's what that's what good investigators do. Right, and that's and hats off the, to them. And that's um, I know because as a someone who's interested in the subject, you know, I, I I get anxious about, and I'm I'm a member of the Olympic Project, but and I appreciate I have a great appreciation for the way that this this. Uh, uh, project has been handled. Um, it it's slow. Real science is is slow. The you know the shortcut to proving Bigfoot exists or not is to go out and and uh, get a body. Uh, that's mm-hmm. then then um, and if that was easy to do, I think it would have already been done. I oh, know absolutely. people that whose whose end goal was to go out and and shoot a Bigfoot, and they they gave up after a while because. It just they couldn't do it. They um, they thought that they knew where they could do it, and um, it didn't happen. So right. So and you know that's also a controversial topic about shooting kill them. Kill or no kill. Yeah. Kill or no kill. Kill versus no kill. Right. Right. And yeah. I mean I'm I don't know what these things are. I don't even know if they exist. But if they do exist. I don't think shooting one and dragging the corpse in is the best way. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, that does a lot of time is the way. 
You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm not saying go out and kill one, but I'm just saying it's going to take a body before we, we can learn what these things are. Now, whether the body's alive or dead is going to be irrelevant to the scientific world. I prefer it be alive and us not, like, capturing a bunch of them and putting them in the zoo. You know, that's another thing that <laughs> if, these, if these things are, do exist, they're extremely intelligent because they know what our the humans are capable of doing. And they're, yeah, they're masters of their environment. Mm-hmm. And as I like to say, there's, you know, the it it's cat, cat, a specimen alive or dead, um, preferably. I mean, if you could, uh, it'd be great. I remember when I was a kid in uh, grade school and we had to write a, uh, a report or story. And I, I remember writing a story about uh, an expedition to go tranquilize a Bigfoot. Um, <laughs> tranquilize it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's been and, thought about. Which is, which it's um, it has its own challenges, you know, because you could kill, you could in theory kill uh, an animal that you don't know uh, how how much to tranquilize them. The other danger is you don't tranquilize them enough, right? right. And now you've got this pissed off uh, nine eight nine foot tall uh, super strong athlete who wants is pissed off and wants to break you in half. So, I mean, that's, you know, <laughs> yeah, or, it's not or, that easy. I mean, yeah, you to tranquilize animals, you have to, um, you, have to you know, know as veterinarians. There's an expertise to that. Yeah. Right. There, you got to know the, how much they weigh and there's a scientific formula to determine how much you need in order to just tranquilize them and not kill them. Right. Well, if you don't know what your subject is going to weigh or how tall it is or its mass and, Right. There's no way to determine the exact amount of tranquilizer. So there again, there's another <laughs> issue. You know, when people say, "Why don't they just go out there and tranquilize one?" Well, there's really never any easy answers. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, so you I mean? did tranquilize one. You don't know what their social structure is. That they, you know, there's many reports where there's more than one. So you tranquilize the one, and the and the other. I don't know if I would want to participate in that. It just right. Seems like it, a, it could get scary. You know what situation. I mean? It's like. Uh, yeah. But when you I when mean, you're the in other, their element, you know, and you piss one off, and there's, you know, right. like you're, let's say you put a dart in into mother and father's over there. I mean, I wouldn't want to be on the receiving end of that. Right. Well, and the other the I mean the other possibility would be find skeletal remains. I mean that would mm-hmm. be another way to, um, unfortunately, and that's one of the go-to questions for you know. The skeptic is, well, how come we haven't found a body? And we discuss that all the time is that, you know, we don't find it's much larger populations of deer, elk, bear, cougar. We're talking probably about the rarest animal in, in the, the forest, in the forest, in the forest, in the forest, in the land, the, in the forest. <laughs> and, um, and animals don't just fall down, generally fall down in the forest and keel over. You know, an animal goes and hide when it doesn't feel good. Feel, they will go in and hide themselves to protect themselves from predators so that they don't get eaten alive. So um, that that a lot of times is, is, is some re- remote location, and, and then they die. And then the forest consumes them in a pr- pretty rapid fashion. So that, mm-hmm. that isn't even, you know, touching on the – the theory that they buried their dead 
could they? I right. They could. I, I mean, there's I so many. They could. Right. But that's we don't another. know if they do. We don't know. I mean, I've uh, even heard people say, well, they, they're cannibals. Yeah. Right. That they eat their dead. Yeah. So you just, I mean, there's so many variables to all of this. And, you know, it, it, after a while, it just, you know, the reason why I'm invo- involved in all this is because, you know, where I'm from, there's a long history of sightings in Montgomery County, North Carolina. I want to know what it is they've been seeing. Okay, I want to know what this thing is. Is it really exist? Um, and, you know, like with tree breaks and that sort of thing, yeah, I believe that if there is that type of creature out there, it would only make sense. If they're moving through the forest, they'd be making some somewhat of a, a mark if they're walking in the thick brush. Right. However, most things walking through the forest take the path of least resistance, like a game trail, that type of thing. So you're going to find less evidence of it being there. So, you know. Exactly. It's it's not an easy find. No. Well, I would like I, to tell people that out there that consider themselves researchers, if you're actually – researching with the intent of bringing forth evidence you want to share that evidence for other people then then get an idea of what you're doing what what is required and and you're going to have to let go of the the emotional attachment to what you bring in i mean if you put something up on facebook first of all that's not a scientific forum for determining whether or not evidence is real um but and you're going to get ripped to shreds most if unless you provide something that has a, a really good context. Um, so uh, go go collect real evidence, vet that evidence. I mean, that's or or vetting, keep it to right. yourself until you get something that's that's worth sharing. Um, there's uh, there's a lot of I, I guess I'd call them Bigfoot Yahoos now that that are out there putting. Um, evidence up on YouTube or, or making videos on YouTube where everything is, you know, everything that, that, uh, they hear in the woods and it's, uh, is it, uh, conscious pareidolia or is it, um, you know, or unconscious pareidolia? Are they, they're aware that they're putting up stuff that isn't in real, that's, is hoaxing or maybe they just have extreme pareidolia. And, and I've experienced that with folks too, that being out in there, um, everything is Bigfoot. You know, they, they go out with the Bigfoot on the brain and, and you are, if you're out looking for evidence of, of Bigfoot, um, you do already have Bigfoot on the brain. So if you have to temper that and be aware that, that not everything, you know, Bigfoot, Bigfoot last, um, run it through uh, everything. All evidence should go through the scientific process of, where, you know, you look at it, okay, I've collected it, what what do I do with it? Um, you know, while we were out this weekend, Shane had multiple uh, audio recorders out. Um, unless, and I, I know that Shane in the past has, has got some interesting things on audio. Um, he doesn't run the Facebook to put it up. I mean, it's it goes in because it, you know, you go through the process of, of collecting the audio evidence, you you look at, you listen to it, you look at it on like a sonic visualizer, you compare it to uh, the Macaulay Library of Sound, and 
and best case scenario, generally with audio, it goes into an interesting bucket. Right. You know, that's, yeah, because you don't have a real specimen right. scientifically verified to compare that to. So, again, right. like you said, it's it goes into the unknown or interesting or, you know, but then when you have a lot of uh, unknowns, in the pot from all over the country mm-hmm. by different people who don't know each other and they sound right. exactly the same on the graph, then that's, that's something that really, that's interesting to me. Then, right. You know what I mean? It's and, like, that's our the type of thing group, that when, when we first started, we made, um, c- collaborated with, with some other groups and found that some of the, the audio recordings, that that we had that were unusual they also had in an area that that uh there had been more uh corroborate corroborative evidence you know sightings footprints found um so and and you need that piece the other only other way really uh a specimen and i guess you could refer to a skeletal remains as a specimen as well um you know or or some kind of long term uh study that has a lot of corroborating evidence clear photos mm-hmm. dna right. samples you know um just uh having um bigfoot saying that bigfoot come and visit you at your house and you're feeding it does not is not going to prove bigfoot exists mm-hmm. and uh, if you're uh if you're not interested in proving they exist, and that that's a different kind of experience that you want to have. Um, for those of us that are are, and and even those of us that are interested in in confirmation of the species, we have different um, reasons for for uh, doing that. Part of that is might be conservation. You know, there's a, I talk to people and they say, you know, we we need to prove they exist to protect them, um, and. I guess my I, I like well shouldn't be re, 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 protecting that environment anyway because for the known animals I mean one more animal in there is shouldn't shouldn't uh, change the way that we're managing our forests and and woodlands and uh, you know so I I have a hard time with the argument that we need to kill a uh, a specimen of a species to, to for their own protection because Bigfoot doesn't really uh, give a rip to be pr- proven or not. So right, and so far he's they're doing a pretty good job of protecting themselves because no one's been able to prove they exist. Exactly. Well, Julie, I want to thank you for for uh, spending this time with me and chatting about pareidolia and and uh, Bigfoot in general. G- good times. Uh, I like doing Monster X because that's I just like to talk about Bigfoot with my. And I get to do it with, with uh, cool people like you that that have level have this level head about the idea of of uh, how we go about uh, looking at this subject. So, thanks, well, I Julie. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, no, it was a good uh, good topic tonight. Yeah, I, and I think uh, folks will enjoy it. Uh, for you, those of you that are listening, uh, join us next week for another episode of Monster X Radio. Remember to swing by SquatchCoffee.com and pick up some of your uh, 
favorite blends of our Monster X coffee. Hey, that's a good idea of Sasquatch coffee. We still have a few bags of the Bob Gimlin uh, variety left. Uh, Those once they're gone, they're gone. So um, awesome. Thanks everybody for joining us. And for Julie Wrench, this is Gunnar Monson. Have a great week. Keep it squatchy, everybody. Good night. But not too squatchy. (laughs) Thank you all for your support. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.